Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, Brian Saramago, welcome to Footwork. Uh, nice to be here. Nice to to get on here and chat with you guys about footy. Right. Yeah, very Look excited about this it. one now. As a forward yourself, let's start off with a little bench start sell. Bobby Firmino, Jesus, and Lautaro Martinez. Lautaro, I think. Lautaro. <laughs> you put an A there. <laughs> no, that's what it is. That's how you spell it, but... Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm starting Bobby Firmino. Um, I'm currently on current form. I'll bench Gabi Jesus, and then I'll, I'll sell Lautaro Martinez personally. I just I love Bobby Firmino. I think he's class. He's a such a creative forward, and uh, I think uh not it's not all about goals sometimes as a forward and uh, I, I think that he's super important for the way that Liverpool play with the way he presses defensively and he's always tracking back and, and getting stuck in and uh and just creativity I think is is second to none yeah so I many many will point to the stat reason. many will point to the stat sheet but real ones now real ones now exactly. yeah. yeah yeah it's one of those streets we'll never forget but um I'm sure maybe you've heard on some one of the other podcasts or anything, but we're, our motto here is make your own path. So it means to follow your dreams. You're not held to the normal roots if they don't fulfill you. So with yours, what does make your own path mean to you? Uh, make my own path is just basically not not saying to sticking to that norm and, and just doing my own thing and and following. Uh, following my dreams and, and believing in myself and, and my capabilities and just paving my own path into, into where I want to be and where I see myself in, in the future. And yeah, I think that's, that's mainly what, how I see it. And that you certainly have done. And before we dive into your story and into your career thus far, can you give the listeners um, a bit of a background of you, a narrated movie trailer, a deeper dive, before we get into deep the uh, deeper topics, just a bit of a, a gloss over of your life up until this point. Yeah, so uh, I'm a son of two immigrants from Portugal who who moved to to New York when my sister was three. Um, I was born in New York, grew up playing soccer, played at uh, New High Park Wildcats um, from the age of two all the way up to the age of eight. Then I made the move to to Gachi where where I think I learned uh, the most and developed the most in, in my career in terms of technically and uh, as a player and, and just, you know, getting that, that side of the game down. And then um, up until I played there up until I was 14 and then I made the move to, to Red Bulls um, to, to go there and, and see where, where that would take me and, and see what opportunities I would get there. And thankfully, I, I did well enough and, and got the chance and the opportunity to, to get the call up to the U.S. Youth National Team with the under-17 and the under-19s. Um, 
my under 19 year, I was uh, blessed enough to get a couple of games in with uh, Red Bull 2 in the USL Championship. And then from there, I uh, made my move over to, to Loyola uh, down in uh, Baltimore. Um, played there three and a half years, uh, technically four seasons, but I graduated early so, so I could enter the, the MLS draft. Um, unfortunately, uh, I went undrafted. Um, no teams selected me in that in that draft, um, which maybe now looking back is a blessing. But at the time, I was obviously devastated and and very upset and and going through a little rough patch. Um, and then in 2020, that was the same year that COVID hit. Um, went the year without playing. And then uh, in the year 2021, I got a call um, asking if I wanted to go over to Slovenia and uh, play play professionally there in the second league. And uh, I jumped on the opportunity. Um, I was a bit hesitant at first, but I jumped on, on the opportunity after a little bit and, and started my adventure there. I was lucky enough to, to do well there as well, score goals and, and just do what, what I know I'm capable of. And uh, just recently on the transfer deadline day, I was mm -hmm. blessed enough to, to move back to, uh, to my homeland, my home country of where my parents are from and, uh, and a place that, that I know very well. And uh, now I'm at Bolonia Saad. I'm playing the second league of Portugal and, and enjoying every second of it. And there's so many things I can't wait to dive into there. So many different themes, but just like you said, and it seems like a lot of things fell into place for this one. So uh, you said deadline day, home country, back into a place where maybe you can feel a little bit more comfortable. So how did that moment feel to sit to, for first of all, all that to come together so quickly and then that moment to sign and your second professional contract is in Portugal. Yeah, uh, it's super special, especially for me growing up. Um, Portuguese football was always on, on TV, um, especially since, uh, like I said, my parents are from Portugal. They grew up in Portugal. My sister was even born in Portugal. Um, and it's just so special. I have so much family here. And, uh, and it's nice that after all these years, um, None of my family here in Portugal were ever able to watch me play live. And, and now it's something that, that they can. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just nice. It's, it's nice to, to walk around and, and be able to understand the culture and, and just be, be somewhere um, where you're just super comfortable with, with, uh, with your surroundings. And how, you much, have how much family do you have there right now? Uh, I have my mom's side of the family, almost everyone. I only have a oh, couple cool. of aunts that are that are in Switzerland. And then um but other than that, all my aunts and uncles are, are here. Uh all my cousins from that side are here as well. Um and then for my dad's side, I have a couple of aunts and, and uncles. Um but his family, mo most of them are, are in the US right now as well. But They've been. They've had the opportunity of of seeing me play while I was growing up there in the U.S. So, um, yeah. 
with all this family still in Portugal, did you ever have the opportunity beforehand to, I don't know, spend summers in Portugal, play, go on trials uh, after you initially left college? Yeah, um, I used to come when I was younger, um, before soccer got pretty serious or football got pretty serious. Um, it, I used to come every summer, but I would say around the age of eight when I made the move to Gachi and, and every summer I had a, a lot of tournaments and we were always playing um, and it started getting serious. Um, it definitely... I definitely stopped coming more. I think it got to the point where I didn't come to Portugal probably for six or seven years where my family didn't see me from, from the age of 10 probably until uh, the age of 17, which was when uh, after my freshman year, um, that takes me into the part of trials. After my freshman year, I actually went on trial with uh, the under-19s of Braga to see if I could uh, play there for the under-19 teams because um, I was a 98 at the time and they had a few 98s, but we weren't too sure when the cutoff was. Um, they were interested in signing me to the, to the under-19s and, and they tried to get that information sorted and stuff. But unfortunately, I missed the cutoff by like a month or so. So uh, they, they said that since I couldn't play for the under-19s, they didn't think I was ready enough to, to go to the Braga B team, which is their reserve team. And uh, so I ended up going back to, to school um, my sophomore year. Did it give you kind of a good taste of like the levels to the game and, and you know, a different side to it in terms of whether it's training or professionalism or just kind of the mentality side of it too? Did it kind of, bring a, another, I guess, uh, vision into you? Yeah, I mean, uh, especially during that trial, um, it was kind of my first experience trialing here in in uh, Europe. So it was interesting seeing that, like, even at the under-19 level, they had, like, a kit man. Um, all their boots were there. It was, it was pretty, like, it was pretty professional, uh, the way it was run. And, uh and the kids themselves were were very good technically, and and you can see the quality even at that level. And it was something that that I enjoyed, and and it was nice to see and uh, and compare myself to to where I was at the at that point in my life and career, and and just kind of reflect and and measure um, that that's what that's the level I want to be, and and that I just have to work a bit harder to to get to that to that point and now that you you feature already this season only after being there for it's about four weeks now um how has your experience been so far how has the training been the differences you found there um how are you how are you adapting culturally with football outside of the game um culturally like i said since since I, I'm Portuguese, my, I grew up uh, speaking Portuguese at home. Um, we, my parents don't really speak English at home. So growing up, it was always Portuguese and still is. Um, we, we just kept that. And I, I'm grateful for it because now, since all those years of speaking Portuguese at home, I'm, I'm here and, and I feel super comfortable um, being able to, to speak fluently and, and being able to communicate with people here. And um, the team 
honestly is is great they welcome me with with open arms uh the coaching staff the the directors um team managers the physios the guy everybody just welcomed me with open arms uh felt made me feel welcome the second i walked through through the door and um i think that helps a lot as well um especially having a good group of guys it's it helps in the in the long run um and yeah, I think that it it wasn't as hard um, as of an I would say like an uh, adaptation, but I think the the hardest part is more on the field, um, coming from a a level in the second league of Slovenia to the second league of Portugal. It's a it's a pretty pretty high jump, I would say, in terms of uh, the speed of play and and the way. Uh, the way the ball moves and, and how fast you need to think on the field. And I think that uh, obviously it takes some adaptation to, to that as well, but I'm com- I'm confident in my abilities and, and the way I play that, that I can catch up to that rhythm quickly and, and start scoring goals soon. And here's a word from our sponsors. That's us, Jess, Dylan, and Sean. Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork, is now live. Check out all Footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos. The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests. Game Time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro? Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything. And of course, the footwork shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at footwork.club. So how would you explain the style of football in Portugal? What are the main philosophies that you see um, either in your team, in the league, in the country as a whole? And how would you explain it to guys or compare it to guys in the U.S.? Um, I would say it's a lot more technical. Um, you can even tell by by the national team when you when you see guys like Bernardo Silva and and all these guys that are so technically gifted. Um, I think that's just something that's regular here. Uh, everywhere, every game you watch here is is very technical, very uh, possession based. Um, they like to to build out and just uh. It's not just that tiki-taka. It's also whenever you lose the ball, uh, the reaction and and the speed that you react to to that lost ball is very fast. If you don't have that fast reaction, um, you you can't really cut it here. It has to it has to be quick. Um, and then at the same time, you have to be technically good on the ball and, and be able to to hold the ball and, and create things and, and just build, I would say. Um, but yeah, mentally, um, the thought processes in your, in your head, you have to process things very quickly and, and very fast if you want to survive. I, I feel like in the, at this level. And can you walk us through a day in the life, um, a training day in the life? What do you do from morning to night? So I wake up every day at 7.30. Um, 
get up, brush my teeth, you know, do the the regular things that that everyone does. <laughs> and then uh, I'll, I'll make some breakfast, depending on what I'm feeling. When I wake up, I'll either make a bowl of oatmeal with, with some fresh fruit, some honey, or uh, some scrambled eggs with a piece of toast and, and some some jam. Um, and then I'll, I'll head out, hop in the car at around 8.15. I'll head over to the training facility. I'll get that around 8.30, 8.40. Um, we usually, every day we usually get to the facility or we're supposed to be at the facility at nine. So I get there 20 minutes earlier. It's, I prefer it like, like that. I like to, to get ready and, and start getting in the zone already um, prior. Um, whether stretching before training or, or doing something, it's uh, it's something that that I'm used to and I prefer. Um, we also get fined for being late, so that's also a that nice also, little incentive yeah, to, to get there. Yeah, <laughs> it works. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll have. Yeah, it does. Um, so. Yeah, we have to get there at nine. Then we have a uh, pre-training on, on the field, like just doing uh, ladder work or, or on-field lift, whatever whatever they set up for us there. We'll, we'll start doing at 9.30. Then actual training starts at 10. It'll last between an hour and a half, two hours. And then after that, I'll uh, shower after training and then head out to, to get some lunch. Um, I usually go to, to a place right by our uh, training facility um, here in Portugal. They have this uh, thing called like, uh, in Portuguese called the Adios. And um, it's basically, you go there and you have a choice of three or four dishes of the day. Usually it's two meat options, two fish options. And uh, uh, the place I go to, it's super cheap. It's 450 a plate which is something that every time I, yeah every time I tell someone uh the price everyone's like wow in Lisbon <laughs> it's 450 still no way like they they they're it's like super shocking and mm. and to me it's it's awesome because it's like a it's a older lady in the back uh cooking and and it feels it's just like home cooking it's a, like a yeah. home style it feels like mm -hmm. something that my grandma would make if i was home so it, it's kind of like a comfort food as well at the same time and uh so i'll head over there um me and my sometimes i'll go with uh with my teammate um we both go over there and then after that it's just free uh for the rest of the day i'll either head home if i have to go get some groceries or or uh, since I just moved recently, um, there's some stuff that here and there that I see like, oh, I, I should go buy this for, for the kitchen or something. Um, like the other day I went to buy an air fryer. Um, so Ooh. I go over to, to the shop. Oh, he's going gonna, to yeah. oh, be making some magic with that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly like cooking a lot. Um, I think the the nutritional side of of the game is is important. So, I do look like cooking, and especially since I have free the whole afternoon and stuff, um, it gives me more time to to kind of have that freedom to at at like around dinner time. Mm -hmm. 
um, which I have around like seven, seven thirty. Um, it gives me the freedom to have more time to to fully try like try out a recipe that I see like online, whether it be on TikTok or Instagram. What's um, your go-to I'll dish? Yeah, I was gonna say like, what's, the, what's the oh. Chef Brian specials? Uh, honestly, I like uh, I like the the regular, um, just uh, basically like chicken breast seasoned with uh, some garlic, um, onion powder, paprika, salt, pepper, um, and then I'll have uh, like a cup of white rice, or sometimes I, I like to toss in some uh, turmeric in there. Um, nice, nice get that get the the yellow rice effect um and then uh some vegetables um whether it be a salad or, or on the side something that uh that just comes in a bag already pre-made i'll just put it on the pan and just kind of saute it um but yeah i would say that that's like we usually do promo videos dish. we usually do promo videos for the guests i feel like yours is gonna be like cooking it's gonna be like a slow-mo shot of you getting the salt in you know sick like, b-roll of you yeah like just the film yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get we'll have a footwork yeah. recipe the first of its kind yeah honestly why not i like that's like a yeah i feel like that's a simple dish like uh i also i would say uh another dish i really enjoy to make and and i like a lot honestly is uh eggplant parm I'm a Ooh, big eggplant man. parm. I haven't guy. made that in years. Yeah. Sometimes it's too, I've never too much. It, but my mother's eggplant parm is to die for. <laughs> yeah. Like I I feel like I, I do it kinda I'll probably say like once or twice every two weeks. So probably four times a month. I I like it. It's um, it's like it's got its own solid yeah. rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh like once or twice, I'll toss some the breading on, you know. But some other times, I'll, I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll just have the <laughs> the eggplant with the with the tomato and and the cheese. Keep mm. it, keep it more. All right, uh, boys, healthy. I'm a little hungry. Let's bring yeah, it back seriously. to the soccer podcast. <laughs> as this is, um, but just drawing some parallels, kind of like in terms of preparing you for for these moments and playing in such leagues like the second league in Portugal. Like what a league. I'm thinking just a little bit about your past. I know there was, you spent time with the U.S. men's national team, you said. There was those Red Bulls times. So I can only think of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the 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 team morals and the identity of Red Bulls, you know, like the seven seconds and and the, the pressing and everything. And international, I think of playing against these top-tier international teams and with guys that, you know, play at very high levels too. How do you think all of these things helped you prepare to take on such big contracts like you're taking on right now? I mean, it's just the opportunities I got out looking back. Uh, I'm extremely blessed because when I was at Red Bulls, I had the opportunity to work with the reserve team, the Red Bull, Red Bull 2. And uh, those guys were were more mature they've been playing at the professional level for for so long that I could going in as a 15 16 year old I uh, really was exposed to how a professional should should be treating his body and what they do at before training what they do after training and then going into 
with the national team, the same thing. I was exposed to, to guys that were playing at top top teams, whether it be overseas or or here in the, in the U.S. at top academies like FC Dallas and, and, and LA Galaxy and teams like this that that you kind of know about, but you're not around and you, you don't really know what they're doing. Um, every team kind of runs differently, so it's good to, to get exposed to, to these different um, things that, that other teams and other players are, are doing, and you kind of as you go along, you you pick and choose and and try uh, try different methods that that you pick up from other other guys and and try and put it into into your your routine and see see if you like it or not and and you kind of go from there. But yeah, I would say being exposed to to that kind of uh, different stuff that that you learn, I think, helped me a lot and. Especially, I would say Red Bull too helped me a lot. Going in as a 15-year-old, seeing guys that were already 26, 27, playing a USL championship, and a couple of MLS guys that would come down uh, uh, the way you you saw them uh, carry themselves and and the stuff they did. Um, it really, really helped me realize what I truly needed to do to if I wanted to get to that level and and stay at that level. Mm-hmm. And with the with the national team, do you have any any fond memories about games, about competitions, about playing with different players? Like what, when you look back at it, what are some things that you think about? Uh, yeah, I was honestly I was blessed enough to play against Spain and France, and uh, those teams at the time had uh, like Cucurella, the guy at Chelsea, was playing on Spain. Um, Did he have the hair? I know France. Yeah, he, he he had the hair. Came out yeah. the womb with that, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I know we played France and uh, we played against uh, Odward, the guy that the striker at Crystal Palace. Um, mm-hmm. I played against Apumacano. Um, nice. He was playing that game as well. And mm-hmm. it's like you look at these guys and and you see that these guys are quality and and that you were at you were at that level and and it even motivates you more to see those guys at the level that they're at and the fact that you were once on the same pitch and playing against them it, it kind of motivates you to to believe even more in yourself and, and give that extra effort to to hopefully get to to that point in your career and um yeah in terms of guys i i played with the, on the national team as well um my roommate at uh when i went to the canary islands with the under 19s was weston mckinney um, down to earth guy. He was top player. Um, I honestly still remember the first training session. Um, after at the end of training, we were doing a little eleven v eleven, and I still remember he picked up the ball at half, just picked up his head, just looked back down at the ball, and then just chipped the goalie from behind half. It was something unbelievable, and it was honestly. I think that was honestly the first moment that that I realized that this guy this guy is different. He's he's got that something that something special, and uh, I still remember after training, my my parent, my dad specifically asked me how it went. And I still remember telling him that 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 happened, and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that, in, in my career, um, happen live. You know, it was something. It was definitely something that that stood out. And uh, yeah, 
and then you look back at that team that that was there there's a bunch of guys playing on uh in top leagues here in Europe and like i said it's it's motivating to to see these guys do well it just it, it makes me happy knowing that that i was at that level but at the same time it motivates me to to want to push more and and get to to that level as well and and hopefully get to the to the full men's national team someday there we go and despite playing at at uh, these high levels uh, when you were younger also having a great career at, at loyola what was or what were your expectations versus the reality of you're finally getting your first contract in Slovenia in the second tier? Um, honestly, at first, I still remember getting the call and and I kind of laughed about it. I, I I still remember I was on Xbox with my friends and and my I just hung up the phone, uh, unmuted my mic, and I I was kind of like oh. I just got an offer to to go to Slovenia. Uh, like I don't see myself going there at all. That that's so far. Um, but and then later that night, I told my dad that I got that call, and uh, he uh, he kind of told me to think about it because at the time he was like, both my parents, my dad and my mom, both were telling me that. I worked so hard and my whole life to, to become a professional that um, this was a great opportunity. And even though it would be, I'd be going to a country that I know nothing about and nothing about the culture and that it would probably be difficult, but to play at the level that I want to, they told me that it's going to be difficult no matter what, no matter where you go. And uh, it's just a great opportunity to, to jump on it and, just the fact that you never know if, if another opportunity like this can can just reappear because you, you don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I ended up taking it. And, and now looking back, I'm, I'm glad that I did. Of course. I mean, it's, it's the stepping stone. But even coming back a yeah. little bit further just to kind of get your mind state going into this first contract, I know you mentioned the COVID year. Um, there were some things out of college that didn't come. So can you kind of walk us through that time after college and, and the venture to get your first contract, that COVID time, and then what kind of what went into your head before getting this offer? Yeah, I mean, that, that whole 2020 year was super difficult for me um, mentally. Um, I would say I really struggled that year. Um, there are a lot of things that that happened um, uh, that still were were difficult to to handle, but um, I know it all kind of like I said, I got I went undrafted, and looking back um, at the time, there were mock drafts. You know, there's mock drafts for for, for every draft that that happens professionally in the U.S., and my name was always around the the 20th pick or early second round but I know that every everyone that was released my name was on it and I was really confident that that I was going to get drafted at the time and uh, I still remember I invited friends and, and a couple of family members over to to watch the draft with me and uh, 
I can still remember um, the first round going by and and it got to, to that 20th pick mark and, and I kind of was starting to get a little bit nervous but excited at the same time that, that my phone might ring at any time and uh, it didn't and the first round ended I was like all right we still have the second round and then the second round first 10 picks went by then the, the 20 and then the second round was over and, and my name wasn't wasn't called and uh, I still remember feeling uh, a little embarrassed uh, that I had everyone over and, and my name wasn't called. And at the same time, uh, it was just a little like upsetting as well, knowing that, that you thought that you, you had the capabilities um, to, to be at that level and, and even just go to preseason with a team and show them what, what you're capable of doing. Um, and just kind of getting rejected, obviously, is was very difficult. Um, and then I ended up going to to Red Bull two after um, on trial. Since since I went undrafted, uh, I reached out to to my former Red Bull coaches, and and they agreed to to let me go to preseason with them and and see how, how it went. Um, and then after preseason going into the first week of, of the season I still didn't have a contract offer um, and then COVID hit and everything shut down and I had no club when everything reopened Red Bull said that they were going to go uh, with the academy guys and, and not sign anybody because obviously COVID affected everybody financially and they wanted to to go that youth uh, youth academy route, and uh, yeah, I was home at that time, not playing, um, just training on my own. I would I would go work, do ball work, and and shooting in the morning uh, early, and then I would at night go go for kind of a long distance runs and and just kind of working my hardest trying to stay fit for, for whenever the, the phone rang and uh, it ended up never, never ringing. So um, it was, it was definitely a tough year um, going into, into the start of January, thinking that, that you were going to have the opportunity to play in the MLS and, and then everything kind of just fell and fell through and it was just difficult mentally. I know, I still remember that that year, the, the COVID year was was very difficult for me mentally, for sure. I mean, that, that just shows the, the character and mental strength you had, too, because there you I mean, it's not that you deserved or didn't deserve it, but you had a very good college career. And then, like you said, you had these pre these mock drafts that showed you potentially getting an opportunity and then you know, everything else around it builds up. You have people come over and now there's it's kind of an outside pressure that this is going to happen and then it doesn't. So it's not only yeah. individually you have to deal with it, but now there's this outside um, extra pressure and, and to be able to continue to, to, to train and push for that and keep the mentality of the call is going to come at some point. I just need to be ready for it. And then eventually it does come um, and you go to Slovenia and then, not only do you go there, but you you score 19 goals in 35 games. I mean, 
first off, how was that adaptation period of going to a country where uh, they're not speaking Portuguese, not speaking English, or the English maybe is not so so good um, culturally? It's completely different than the U.S. and Portugal. Um, how was that for you? Um, honestly, I uh, obviously it was a bit difficult at the at first, you know, but at the same time, like I said, after that, such a difficult. 2020 and and having to to go through all that mentally i think that that year honestly made me mentally so much stronger and uh made me want to to reach the highest level even more it kind of built a fire in in me and uh i think that that mental strength carried over to to slovenia um it obviously was difficult to to get used to the language barrier and, and going out to, to the store, um, looking at the labels and having no idea what, what's on the labels. Uh, if it wasn't for the pictures, I would have no idea. Um, and all that stuff was, was very difficult. Um, but it did help a lot that most of the team spoke English. Everyone was really nice uh similar to, to the team i'm on now uh they welcomed me with open arms um and it was it was a very young team as well uh, I, i'm pretty sure i was the second oldest on the team last year as a 22 uh turning 23 uh, that's kind of kind of helps a bit um i i feel like uh it, it isn't as nerve wracking when you go into a team as, as an older guy than, than when you go into a team and, and it's all these veteran pros that, that have been doing this for so long. And, and you kind of, you, you obviously don't feel that comfort right away. Um, so I think that the fact that the team was, was younger, um, that I think it helped a lot with, with uh, the transition and, and the adaptation. But uh, yeah, honestly, at, at the same time, I know when I showed up, the coaches told me to, to just play uh, the way I know how to play and not have or not put pressure on myself because they honestly didn't even expect me to, to score as many goals. They told me that they, they saw me needing a, a couple of months to adapt to, to the play there and transitioning from from not playing a year uh, and, and playing in the US to playing the second league in Slovenia was was going to be something that that was going to be a bit difficult and they told me to not put too much pressure on myself that especially if the ball wasn't going in the net or or things weren't going as as perfect or what or so what my expectations were um, but at the end of the day, I know, like I said, I believe in my capabilities. And, and at the same time, uh, I wanted to prove every, to everyone that, uh, that I deserve to, to be there and, and to play at the, the level that I think that I deserve. And uh, I ended up, in a, in a sense, proving, proving my coach wrong. But I think that, that it honestly just came down to, to that mentality. Um, that and the the belief in, in my own capabilities of just going out there and, and trying to score um, every game possible and uh, just get on a roll and, and try to 
to move on to to a better level, um, which thankfully happened. Mm -hmm. I really like how you said like the the difficult times and that innate self confidence kind of carried over into this opportunity, and you could tell from the stats and you know your coaches think you may need a grace period to to adapt and. Um, you still go out and you and you bowl out and you score nine, 19 goals in 35 games, which is just an amazing feature. So I firmly believe from every team, regardless if it's the, you know, the level you want to play at, the country you want to play at, there's a skill that you can learn from the league, from the guys, from teammates, from your coaches and stuff. For example, for me, I played in a league in Australia that was like my first contract, but I knew this wasn't the end goal. I knew like I could take this and go on, but I really felt as a midfielder, I learned a little bit more about the all-round side of the game and how to put a shift in defensively and how to take my chances of when to go forward as a box-to-box -box eight. So for you, what do you think you took most from that year in Sylvania to bring to the to the next levels? Um, honestly, uh, just the, the fact that every day you have to, to work um the hardest possible um i know that sometimes especially at when you're at university sometimes uh you kind of take it i wouldn't say take a day off or, or relax uh, you kind of just like take your foot off the pedal for a bit and and it's not as drastic but when you get to to the professional level every day you have to be at a, a hundred percent and sometimes even 110% if you want to get on the field and and the fact that you need to show up every day and, and perform if you want to play on the weekend. Um, and that's something that that I realized really quick going into into the into Slovenia and and I realized when I got there that if if I really wanted to to play and stay on the field, I you it's not even in question. You you need to do the work at a hundred percent every day, and and you always have to go out there and perform at the best. I know sometimes technically or, or just technically or tactically, you know, you, you might be lacking, but just that work effort can never can never lack, um, no matter what. Um, even if on the day um my finishing is is really poor, I can't like I. I I always tell myself, okay, maybe it's not my, not my day today in terms of finishing, but my work ethic has to always be there. It has to be at 150% now since my finishing isn't there. And uh, I think that's, that's something that, that I realized quickly and that's something that, that I'll take for everywhere I go now. And especially here now, it's even more, more competitive. Um, and that's something that that's super important. If, if you don't put in the work, then you'll never get on the field and, and play. And what advice would you give to young footballers or, or footballers in general waiting on the perfect opportunity instead of going out there and taking advantage of, of an opportunity or any new platform? I would say that there there's never really that perfect opportunity. And even if there is, I feel like it's just like 1% of people get the, the perfect opportunity. Um, and I, I think that 
like especially for me from the fact that I got a call to go to Slovenia and I was hesitant and and I kind of myself was even looking for that perfect opportunity um, whether it be to play here in Portugal or, or play in the U.S. and and that just never came it was just never going to come about or wasn't coming at the time um, and but I got this one opportunity and, and my parents told me to to take it and, and take the risk and, and now looking back I think it's it's the best thing I feel like if you the the game of football is so competitive that um, if you miss one opportunity you, you might miss it forever I, mm. I feel like uh, it's something that if you don't jump on that one opportunity that you get um, someone else is going to take it and then there there it goes your opportunity to to maybe even prove to your, like to everybody that okay maybe that's not where I I see myself at but maybe it's a stepping stone that I can go there and play there do well show everyone the capabilities I have and and that I believe in. I have and I know that I have and uh, I'll use it as a stepping stone to go to a higher level and I think that that comes with taking every opportunity that that you get and and running with it and seeing where it goes I feel like it's better to to take the risk and uh, and see where it goes and and regret it than then later looking on and and saying what if what if I could have could have went there and and I, maybe I could have went there or just always questioning like what if what if if I went there and, and stuff like that I think it's better to to regret than than ask that what if later down in, in line couldn't agree more I mean was there anything else on your mind in that in that time of like you know I may this football may not be the one, the thing for me, like, you know, I gave it a go, but it's, this isn't, this isn't for me. And how did that kind of change in your head? Yeah. I mean, during that, that COVID period, um, I honestly wasn't too sure I wanted to keep playing. Um, after a couple of months, I, I was sitting at home, um, and I didn't have any income, obviously, since I, I was trying to, to play football professionally. And I was just trying to stay fit and, and do everything and, and do all these workouts and, and try to be prepared for for that next call. But the call was never coming. And I was honestly starting to think that maybe maybe it was time to, to move on and, and maybe start working um, and I honestly even took a, a real estate course um, to get that license um, during COVID. So I was kind of starting to to transition to that. And I wasn't too sure if I wanted to keep playing. Um, even mentally, it was, it was draining me so much that uh, I was putting all this effort in. And even after a year, I was getting no offers to, to play anywhere. Um, it was yeah it was it was definitely difficult mm. and so i mean you kind of were talking about it and i think this is one of the hardest things as a footballer is to grind in the dark 
is to grind when the phone's not coming is to grind when maybe you're hearing no's all the time and, you know, grinding when, you know, like these things happen that are, could be a little embarrassing, like the draft thing and, you know, just being around home and expecting professional contracts to come and friends and family expect professional contracts to come. But, you know, it's again, comes back to what Sean said is just all this added pressure comes in too. So during that time, I mean, I know you said the phone wasn't ringing. Were you doing trials with some with some American teams? Um, well, I had a couple of trials before. Um, after the draft, I went on trial with, uh, like I said, Red Bull 2. And then I went on trial with, uh, with Charleston Battery. Um, both said no. Then I went, like I said, I went to Red Bull 2. And then COVID hit. And then kind of... Since it was that COVID time, no one really wanted anybody to go train or they weren't really letting anybody in because no one knew what to do with COVID in terms of protocols and all that stuff. It was just such a hectic time that trialing was almost impossible. And uh, so I had to wait until the following um, January to, to go on trials with, uh, with various other teams, um, which I did. I went on trial with, uh, Loudon, um, Phoenix rising and, and a couple of other teams. Uh, I tried here in Portugal as well with, a, with a couple of teams and, and they also said no. Um, and honestly, I, I'm pretty sure it was probably seven, seven or eight teams that told me no. Um, before before I got the opportunity to go to Slovenia. So yeah, there there was a lot of trials. And I think that hearing no consistently def, definitely made me start to to doubt myself a little bit and and made me uh, start thinking about maybe maybe I'm not gonna be a footballer. Maybe I should start thinking of of making money and, and starting to work a, a normal job now. And uh, maybe, maybe it's just not meant to be after, after seven or eight trials and, and everyone keeps saying, no, maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough. And I, I was starting to doubt myself, but thankfully I had family and, and friends behind me, always pushing me and always telling me that, that I'll, I'll, the opportunity was going to come and, and that I'm good enough to, to play at the next level. And it kind of, kept me going and, and thankfully I got that that one opportunity and, and I took it. Yeah. I mean thankfully it didn't go the other way. That's but yeah. I can yeah. imagine, man, seven seven or eight no's and and kind of, you know, the span of a, a year, year and a half is is damaging on any player's confidence. So I can I can only imagine of where that took to of of, you know, am I good enough? That question that footballers always ask each other whether it's before a game and during a tough spot or or anything like that so for you and this is I think this is a great thing for young players to know is that look at the level you're playing at but look at all of the rejection and quote-unquote failure that came before it that helped set up these kinds of things guys need to know how much goes into it how much hardship there can be before the big payoff so from a confidence standpoint how did all of those no's from people or how did you flip all those no's into people and still keep the innate self-confidence that allowed you to go into Europe and bag 17, 18 goals and continue to know 
I'm good enough for these levels, even though there might be seven guys who said no to me. I'm going to make seven guys that want me after I scored seven, 19, 18 goals, whatever it was. Yeah, it's just I think that I go back to that that COVID year all the time about how difficult it was and and all that blood, sweat, and tear that tears that uh, I put in training on my own. Um, no, no one knew that that I was I was training that hard, but I knew and I knew all that sacrifice that I put. And then, like my parents said um, when I told them about the opportunity, I dreamt about playing professional my, my whole childhood I worked so hard my whole life um, I sacrificed so much uh, whether it be not going to friends birthday parties or or not hanging out with my friends uh, every weekend um, I missed prom I didn't go to any of my proms because it was playoffs um, I didn't, I didn't walk my high school graduation because oh, I was at playoffs. Um, these were, these were the sacrifices that, that I made in my life, uh, that, that looking back, um, after all those no's and, and, and stuff, uh, it made me kind of built this fuel inside me to, and this belief that after all these years, um, I truly believe in myself and, and my capabilities. And after that 2020 year, I think my, my mental strength doubled. Uh, I believe I've started believing in myself and, and just had this huge like rise in self-confidence and, and, and stuff like that. And honestly, I think that I carry that with, with, with me every day and that belief that, that I'm the best. Um, I always tell my, myself that that I'm the best at on the field and and I believe that I'm the best player and and I just try to to show that and and just play with with freedom and and the belief uh, that I have in myself and and the capabilities um, at the end of the day I keep repeating that I believe in my, like the belief in me and, and the capabilities uh, I feel like that's that's extremely important because if you don't have that in yourself um, then who's gonna who's gonna believe that you know I feel like uh, you have you need that self belief and you need to to be telling yourself these things if uh, you truly want to to be the best and and be at the level that that you want to be at. Couldn't agree more. And just kind of like you said, there's gonna be a lot of people who don't believe in you. So you have to make sure that you at least believe in you before anyone else yeah. does. And I think that's amazing. I love the transition that 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 brought you into. And to come back a little bit to uh, maybe some of the better times. I mean, we talked a little bit about how you balled out in college. Uh, I think all American. You were the first ever Patriot League player to 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 be all all league four times in a row. All of these things really seemed like, you know, it brought you were in a place where you were comfortable and that you made the right decision to go to Loyola. So. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into your choice there and what advice you would give to players on the verge of college now when they're at this point of choosing? Yeah, I mean, looking back, I feel like uh, I always tell people that the moment I stepped on, on the Loyola campus, I felt comfortable. I feel like that's such a cliche that everyone says that. And everyone, it's like on the brochure, uh, like, oh, 
like once you step your on first, our your first step here like, you'll, you'll know. know it's home yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah so it's but it it's really it's really true um i know i visited top programs around the country and and i was seeing these top facilities and and everything but just something felt off and uh just something about Loyola was special and I think that at the same time it wasn't just the campus I think that coach Nichols was uh top top person when I sat with him he made me feel comfortable um my parents were there when I visited and after after we left um, after everything he said and explained and, and said he was going to do um he t- he basically told my parents that at the end of the day uh yes he wants me there because of my my talents on the field but he also that's not his main focus he said that if uh if i didn't perform that he wouldn't be he wouldn't be upset he would you know his main focus is to to turn me into a from a boy into a man and and show me how how a man should should live his life and and act and um my parents loved that and and I loved it as well um and he he helped me out so much um to grow into the person I am today and made me much more mature than than what I was um when I went into college, I was an immature 17-year-old who uh, just wanted to play football. And I, I had this idea that after my fall season um, that I was going to kill it. I was going to score goals. I was going to leave on a homegrown deal and, and not have to worry about, about school anymore and, and just start my professional career. And... Uh, that that just didn't end up happening I had a good year I didn't sign homegrown so I had to go back to school and uh, unfortunately I put myself in a tough hole uh, with that immature attitude Um, I wasn't going to class uh, sometimes Uh, just looking back it's I just shake my head I I can't believe the 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 things that that I did I used to I still remember I had a 430 uh English class it was like intro to English or something and it was at 4 30 we used to have practice at at 8 we had to be there at 7 30 or, or something like that so by the time like four o'clock rolled around I'd be super tired and I just remember I'd tell myself like oh I don't have to go to this class uh, I'll just nap instead and uh, <laughs> yeah I I think I ended up missing like 10 classes that semester it was horrible and just thinking 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 back to that that was that was me at 17 and then coach Nichols kind of dragged dra- not dragged me like uh he kind of just told me and like that's you can't act like this if for the rest of your life like you can't be an immature brat for the rest of your life you need to to start acting the right way if you want people to take you seriously and, and and stuff like that along those lines and he he helped me a lot to to grow as a person and I'm extremely grateful and that's just something that I feel like I wouldn't have got at a top program I feel like the top programs uh 
want guys to just perform on the field and what happens off the field they the head coach doesn't really care he he's like all right he can act immaturely off the field but if he's scoring goals on the field that's all that matters to me but with coach Nichols it wasn't like that he was kind of like a a second father um, to everybody on the team Um, speaking from my experience but I know that everyone that that played on that team had that same experience uh of of that father figure that that everyone could could go talk to um if you were feeling down i know obviously not every day is is sunshine and rainbows and um i felt comfortable enough to to go to, to his office and and just just talk and and get everything off my chest and and get that relief um that and I feel like if I went to another school, I, w- I wouldn't really be able to to do that. I feel like uh, it kind of would have to be just strictly football. And and that was something that, that I enjoyed a lot. And in terms of giving advice for, for other people that, that are looking into going to college and stuff, I think that just try and look at something or somewhere that, that you feel comfortable um, I think that if you enjoy the campus and enjoy enjoy the people um, that that are there and and the coaching staff and you think that it's it's best for you, I, I say just go for it. Um, I, like I said, this, the second I stepped on Loyola, I, I knew it was it was a school for me, and I feel like it's that's like most cases for for everyone. So I feel like once you get that feeling, you kind of you kind of know that that that's the school for you some great advice and i I can definitely attest to that dylan and i went to school together as well (laughs) young young freshman sean and dylan were i do feel like when i stepped on the campus though i did feel like oh i was also very bad my freshman year i don't know if i missed (laughs) as many classes as brian but um yeah you just look back you look back and you're like who was that person like even just talking to you now and hearing your like your mentality and how you approach things is like you were missing what? How many classes? Yeah. Hey, man, I get it. I get it. I had a, I had a, I had a, I think it was like a 1230 study of visual arts. Okay. In the beginning, I was always going. It was like the third class of the day. So, you know, you're tired. Yeah. You know, halfway through, I'm like starting to take a nap in the class. It's in a big hundred student class, the uh, seminar, whatever. Then I'm like, wait, why? If I'm taking a nap in class and it's just a textbook, so why am I even going? So then the whole end of the semester, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not going. And then if I'm going to yeah. sleep. If I'm going to sleep, let me do it at home. And it's, it's <laughs> what, what triggered me to stop going to was, uh, you know, when you like you twitch and you wake up and I kick the seat in front of me twice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, this is not that. a good look. This is not a oh, good no. look. I got to stop going. <laughs> but hey, honestly, you. My bad. Uh, I was just gonna say honestly, you mentioning that uh, the seminar and a hundred people that that was another thing that that I liked about Loyola about how it was so close knit and it was only four thousand or five thousand undergrads. Um, each person like there was only twenty five to thirty people in the class. Like the teachers know you by name. Uh, you know everybody uh, in your class. Like when you're walking on the on the quad, um, you see people all the time, and and you start recognizing people, and you start kind of meeting everyone and it's like 
like a close knit community. Everyone kind of knows everyone. And, and I like that. Uh, I think that if I went to like a school, I, I wasn't talking to them, but if I went to a school like Ohio state, where like there's like 300 kids in, in, a, in a single class, I think I would have never made it uh, as that 17 year old. And, and without that guidance, yeah. I think I would have probably dropped out. Yeah. And now um, taking it, taking it back to the professional game, what are some key mental attributes um, that you think are necessary to make it one as a professional, but especially playing abroad? I think it's just the the speed that you process things on the pitch um, is super important, um, especially here in Portugal. If you don't have that thought process, if you're not thinking two steps ahead, if you don't already know uh, where you're going to pass the ball next and, and things like this, uh, I think that you, you'll have a really difficult time. Uh, the game here, um, you need to have that that kind of mental quickness um, if you want to survive and, and do well here, for sure. What about like off the field, those kinds of attributes too? Like maybe some of the things that you learned from Coach Nichols or, you know, from family and after and kind of knew, all right, I need this to be able to succeed in a place where I'm not comfortable or to take risks or to adapt within a team what about those kind of attributes um those terms i would say just more like discipline that mental discipline and, and being able to always do the the right thing and, and strive to do the right thing and um whether it be nutritional or or sleep schedule i know that um when i was at school i used to sleep like five hours a night and now I look back at that and I'm I always wonder what if I actually got the proper eight to nine hours of sleep that I get mm. now every day that and actually help my body recover um, better because your body does most of its recovery while you're sleeping and that eight to nine hours is is very vital for your body in terms of recovery and just that that discipline of being able to to sacrifice uh hopping on playstation until 1 a.m 2 a.m and uh going to bed at at 10 or 10 30 um it's just that that discipline and the consistency i think is is really important off the field as as well yeah, makes complete sense. Couldn't agree more. So you touched on it a little bit. I know you have some some big goals. And on this podcast, we like to talk about having goals and being goal-oriented, goal but more necessarily having a direction to instead of like a specific end goal because we feel the end goal, you know, maybe it happens or it doesn't happen. And then after that, it's like, well, what now? So I think it's good to have all these goals on the way, you know? And whether we achieve yeah. them or we don't, we can still adapt and keep going on to our direction. So for Sean and us, our direction has always been to play it or just become the best footballers we can. And we, of course, we have all these goals too, how many goals we want to score, teams or leagues we want to get into, all of these things. So for you, kind of with that notion, where are you now and what direction do you want to go to? 
right now i think uh i'm pretty pretty close to where i want to be i know um i would say like that kind of end goal point i always think about and i always tell myself that i want to be a playing in the world cup in 2026 um with the US men's national team or maybe Portugal but i think the US men's national team is is more realistic and and something that i i i always tell myself when i talk about playing in the world cup i always think of, of wearing the US men's national team kit um and it's i think that's like a goal that i want to work to but I think that my main goal, like my goal every day is to just work to my best of ability and and show and prove to my coach that that he can start trusting me and giving me more minutes and kind of take it week by week and uh, start working and and just work to my best of ability and start getting into games, start scoring goals, start showing people. And I'd like to make the jump into the first league here and, and stuff like that. But I think that for now, my main focus is just kind of giving my my 110% at training every day and, and getting to to start playing games um, and, and start start working to, to that starting role on the team and hopefully get get scoring some goals like like I was in Sylvania and and show my capabilities and kind of just work my way towards that that 2026 uh world cup and and hopefully be on that roster oh yeah Love we'll that. be there Met we'll be day. there yeah <laughs> leave two tickets for us please <laughs> yeah so let's take that into our fast feet round a few quick fire questions and wrap this up Favorite player growing up? Cristiano Ronaldo has to be. Sweet. Portuguese. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Favorite moment in football? Uh, favorite moment. This is personal or just in general in football? Personal. You're a personal football. Yeah. Personal. I would say uh, it would be scoring uh, – that that brace on my professional debut in Slovenia, um, it was kind of a testament to all that hard work that I put in that very difficult year prior, and and it kind of just gave me some relief um, in terms of just all that hard work wasn't for nothing, and that. Thankfully, I continued, and and that kind of just it just kind of paid off at that time. Mm-hmm. Like after, I was just extremely happy that that I didn't give up on myself, and and that I kept believing in myself, and and kind of that was kind of the the fruits of of that that work ethic and and that belief in myself. Most difficult moment. Most difficult, like I said, and and I've repeated multiple times, um, just that 2020 year, not getting drafted, uh, not getting getting any calls, hearing those those no's over and over again for for that year and a half. Uh, I think it was it was definitely 
very difficult and, and dark uh, moment in, in my career. But thankfully, uh, everything turned around and, and now I look back and, and I'm kind of grateful for, for that dark time because it truly made me a better person um, and gave me mental strength that, that I never knew that I had. And, and now I think it's, it's gotten me to, to the point where I am today. Yeah, they shape us and they add armor at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, best advice you ever received? Uh, I would have to say for my mom, um, she, I know when I was younger, I used to always be, be nervous, like, like everyone else. Um, and especially when sometimes you go up against someone that you hear a lot about and that, oh, this person is, is extremely good or this team, or this team is, is really hard, um, and stuff like that and you kind of get nervous and, and you don't really believe in yourself but my mom used to always tell me that at the end of the day they're human just like you um everybody makes mistakes they're they're gonna make a mistake just like you're gonna make a mistake so there's no point in in fearing anyone um just believe in yourself and and what you can do and, and go out there and, and do what you know best and just work hard and and do your do your thing um because at the end of the day, like, like I said, they're, they're just human like you and, and they're just as capable of making mistakes um, just like you can. Best player you've ever played against? Uh, Ruben Diaz. Um, I was grateful enough to, to play a preseason game against Benfica. And that was pretty special. I can imagine. Best player you ever played with? say probably Weston McKinney. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Uh, I think I'd be a finance bro, uh, working <laughs> on Wall Street. Or real or, estate. Or, or real, real estate, estate, like you said. Yeah. yeah, or real estate. Or both. But, yeah. Yeah, but I think if, if I didn't play football, I, I, would, I would have majored in finance and worked on Wall Street, wore a suit every day, lived in Soho, living the life, going out every weekend. <laughs> in another life or maybe in your 40s who knows maybe that'll come back around yeah maybe we'll you can always see. do those you can always do those things you know later in life that's the beauty of it um yeah, favorite book um it's called make your own bed um i'm skipping out on the author but it was written by a navy seal um i think uh i read it during during that COVID year and it definitely helped uh, start that transition of, of that mental strength and, and doing the little things and building that, that discipline that, that I now built into my routine. Yeah. Any quote or mantra that you live by? Um, honestly, I have to say uh, one from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> kind of funny it's funny how all these children uh movies have these great like great themes and values yeah, I'm, a, exactly. I'm a big yeah. fan of these movies i'll be honest yeah huge but uh i i like the part where uh the the, the older turtle the grand I, I don't remember what his name was but it's always the wise turtle says, too isn't it the old turtle. yeah 
Yeah, he says something along the lines like, uh, yesterday is the history. Um, tomorrow is like something about tomorrow's not guaranteed, but uh, like something about now the present the present is the gift and that's why they call it the present something along those lines i i can't remember word by word but um just the overall theme i i i love it um i think it's something that that everyone should should live by um i think that you shouldn't dwell on the past because personally i think if i dwelled on the past i would still be stuck at home um just moping probably working um, and then you also at the same time can't look too far in the future because then uh, you'll, you'll miss what's, what's going on now. And um, to build memories, you have to live in the moment and, and enjoy the, the time that, that you have now. Um, and I think that it's important to, to do that. And I think people, some people uh, get too stuck um, either living in the past or, or worrying about the future instead of living in the present and, and trying to, to change the present. I got to read this quote out because uh, this is just, this is wisdom from, Did you... from Master Ogwe. I looked it up. Okay. I got to watch this movie. There we go. I've never seen it, actually. You were too concerned with what was and what will be. There's a saying, yesterday is history. Uh, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it's called the present. Bam. Yeah. Bam. Well done, guys. Well done, all all involved. Uh, Ryan, what a place! What a place to end it there. I mean, what a story it's been up until this point. I mean, we're gonna be following along and 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 plugging all your stuff to on our socials and things like that. So make sure you guys you you, you pick up with the story take and uh, you know big goals. I from your mentality and and spending this time with you, I have no doubt that that you're gonna reach even unforeseen heights that you that maybe people can't see for you, but I know you see for you. And, you know, it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on. And again, thank you. It was a pleasure to, to hop on with you guys. And, and thank you for inviting me um, to, to your great podcast. Thank you. Special shout out once again to Brian. Uh, another amazing story. I love some of the people we're in connection with. So shout out actually to Dave. Dave Harris, the advocate for for the making advocate. the connection. The advocate. The is capitalized. All there's capital. only one. There's only one. There will only ever be one. But the story in itself obviously is inspirational. Um, obviously, it's cool to to hear from a guy who's playing at such a high level. And I really like. I mean, it's. I know how difficult it can be too, especially to share some of the the darker stories and the more vulnerable times. But I love to hear those points because I think they're the, the best learning experiences for people listening to this is and for himself too to go back and kind of have a new perspective on what that time meant for his development and how it helped lay building blocks for the time now. There's so many things, there's so many ways that his path could end during that time. And he talks about that. And thank God it didn't because he had this innate belief in himself. I can't give up now. Look at how much, I, how far I've come. Look at how much I've sacrificed. I missed prom. I missed this. I, I did this. I, you know, had all these dark times too. If I gave up now, what, you know, what if? That what yeah. if always came up. And I think it's what an amazing 
turning point that could have been in both directions, that seesaw moment. And luckily it landed him mentally one and, you know, the connections came and he took an opportunity that I know a lot of people wouldn't. I know people who wouldn't right. take it. I know them personally. I know them professionally. I know guys coming out of college wouldn't take an opportunity in Slovenia. Thank God he did. Beautiful thing about Europe is you can go score goals and there's eyes. Boom. Next one. Who knows where it's going to go from here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, with him pushing through that that 2020 year and how it ended up making him mentally stronger and ready for where he is now, it kind of reminds me of, you know, that it's like a cartoon picture of a guy digging, you know, and he's digging a tunnel. And then on the other end is like a diamond and the, he stopped yeah, right yeah, before yeah, yeah, he yeah. got to it, you know? Yeah. And it's like how many people, even if it's not in football, get to that point in their life and then they walk back. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't push through a little bit more and then they unlock like a different part of their life that could have never been there if they didn't yeah. push through, you know? Absolutely. And it's like something to always think about, you know? Yeah, and I think... Should people, I give I... this up or should I keep trying even though it's uncomfortable and it feels 100%. like everything's not going my way, but... I think it's going to turn my way soon enough. 100%. And I think people, as tough as times get, you know, like the breaking point can be pushed just a little bit longer to fulfill those dreams, just a little bit more blood, sweat, and tears. And, you know, obviously it's important to have these good ties with family and, and have these good support systems because these times can be quite tough and they can be quite mentally draining and be taxing. But with all of that things, those things coming together, you can go just a little bit longer because look what the payoff can be. Exactly. I know guys who would kill for the second tier Portugal contract, but would they have done all the things before that? That's the question. That is the million dollar question. Back on our end, merch is coming. Merch Please look out coming. for it. Free support. You can rate us actually on Spotify podcasts now too. So make sure you smash that five-star like button. If you're four-starring us, you're dead to us. And <laughs> Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. Just go away. Um, free support helps. Smashing the likes on the reels. Giving them a share. Telling your friends. Plugging and passing. Um, we're charting in some few countries I never thought we would be charting in, and that's always very cool. So not um, Mongolia. Disappointed with that. Nah, you know, we're not reaching that market yet, and I, I have to blame Sean on that one. Yeah, that's all my end. <laughs> Bad advertising. Uh, but seriously, guys, thank you. And we end this podcast the same way every time. But if you made it this far, you're our homies. So again, until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed yeah. me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine <laughs>